Welcome, Wolfpack. Welcome back to another episode. This episode is a little bit uh, more special than the other episodes because this is my first guest I've actually known since high school. How many years is that? 14 years? Man, well, we met when we were 16. 16. Yeah, so 16 Holy years. Holy shit, 16 years. Yeah. And so making this introduction is going to be better and more special than most. So here today we have Dennis Matijevic, and he is a business owner and operator and a crypto miner owner and operator. As far as business goes, I, I own a business. I own a cryptocurrency mine, which I also operate. I also built it out. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been happening for about two and a half years now, and we stay pretty busy doing it. One of the things, though, that I really respect about you is, although this has only been a new endeavor for the last two and a half years, one of the things that you have helped is in the operations of your dad's business. Oh, yeah, for right? a long time. For a long time. I mean, since I knew you. So, mm-hmm. I mean, so yeah. I don't know when you started. I think you said or originally 14. I was like 14, yeah. Let me give some context of what we're saying. So, they immigrated here from Serbia. Yeah, we immigrated here from Serbia, but we were born and raised in Croatia. Okay. There was a civil war that broke out in the early 90s. So, you moved from Serbia to Croatia and then immigrated out of Croatia? So, we're Serbians. Yep. By our, like our lineage and whatnot. Mm. So Grandma, grandpa. Exactly. Gotcha. And long before that. So, and we've been in Croatia for many, many generations. Mm-hmm. And then when the civil war broke out in the early 90s, um, Serbs were prosecuted. And I mean, it was bad for everybody, but we were mm-hmm. prosecuted. We moved around Croatia for a while. And then we got to Serbia in 96 and lived there for a few years. My family started to build a life for us there. As time started going, 99 happened. The bombings of Serbia happened by the US and whatnot. And then after that, they offer programs where they uh, let families apply to go to America or to Australia and stuff. And my family originally tried to go to Australia, but we didn't get accepted. So my mom was like, let's try America. So they're like, yeah, let's get you guys to America. And Mm then we were here like two months later. And the reason that I I gave that, I wanted you to give that context was your dad is super hard worker, put his head down. And Mm -hmm. even though he didn't pick up English fluently, he still has made it happen all of these years. And you've, you've been a big advocate and a big help for him and so i remember at a young age you'd always be taking calls to be booking loads and and because he has a trucking business right yeah that's right so like the cool thing is is like yeah he like came here Mm -hmm. he was like 35 years old um in his head he was like i can't learn english english was hard for me in school it's gonna hard for me even though i'm here he learned enough English where he knows everything about the business and he can communicate everything effectively as far as his business goes in English. Outside of that, having a casual conversation like we're having today, he wouldn't be able to do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you ask him on some like random part in his truck or some random operational tidbit law about his business, he'll tell you everything about it. That's awesome. Also, I just wanted to point to that or, or highlight that is because no excuses, you know, like yeah. he he's been a successful businessman and owned his own business um he's been in some form a you know like a solopreneur Mm. ever since he could Mm -hmm. so since he was a little kid you know he's always been doing his thing solopreneur turned familypreneur yeah and then you were learning the chops at a young age as a teenager um one thing i did want to briefly cover is for those who aren't educated on geopolitics Mm -hmm. you know for the people watching so what was the conflict in serbia so the conflict was it was like a civil war that happened basically the country at the time was called Yugoslavia and it had its like little countries within it, kind of like the United States does or uh, states. So Croatia, Bosnia, Serbia were the three that were at war with each other. So the toughest part about that is like if you were, you know, a Serbian living in Croatia, you probably got persecuted and whatnot. If you were a uh, Croatian living in Serbia, same thing. If you were a uh, Serbian or Croatian living in Bosnia, probably the same thing. I don't know. I I wasn't there for those other ones. Right. You know, but from my understanding and from what we've talked about with like our many different friends, that's kind of what happened. So what is the ripple effect of something like that? So as far as the war goes, I was a kid. I experienced it from the point of view of a kid. Mm -hmm. Now as a grown-up, I see it more from the grown-up perspective. And all in all, it's just very unfortunate that it happened to everybody. Right. And it's a terrible thing that happened. Mm-hmm. So hopefully people are, to this day, you know, learning that people are more good than bad and that they're willing to accept other people, even though we're virtually the same, just different religions over there, you know. Mm-hmm. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, love is more important than hate. Mm-hmm. It will always beat hate. Hate's going to last for a little while. Love is going to last for a long time. Yeah, it's powerful. That's powerful. It, I mean, it's 
it, what you're saying is easier said than done, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because so, people get triggered. Right. So I've had the honor, and that's really good advice, but um, I've had the honor of having Serbian food, experiencing Serbian culture as a byproduct of being your friend growing yeah, up. Absolutely. Right. If you were to share something about your culture that's maybe not readily known in the yeah. public eye, what would you share? Um, the family values run very deep. Mm-hmm. And it goes back very far. So there's always a big love for your family, your grandparents, and honoring them in a way, but keeping the traditions alive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been said, like, it's better to let the village die than to let the traditions die. Wow. So, you know, you keep your tradition alive, you continue cooking the food, you continue celebrating the holidays and so on. So for the listeners, right, I, mm-hmm. I usually like to pose this question. What's some early context? Like right now you're sitting mm-hmm. here, you're a business owner. You have had a crypto mine. So what's some early context that made you the man you are today? There's not like a pivotal moment in my life that made me who I am today. It's just been like an aggregate of a long, of a long life lessons and stuff, right? So some of the things is like watching my parents and my grandparents and everybody around me always work to provide, having no excuses as to provide. There was like, you know, no option. There was no, no, no such thing as motivation. Oh, I feel good today. So I'm going to get these things done. It was always like, hey, you... Today is today and we're going to do the work we need to do and go on about our lives. So, and that's kind of been my thing for a long time. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter how you feel that day. You still should get up and do the things that you have to do. The nose to the grindstone type of thing, right? Just kind of get go through it regardless of how yeah. you feel every day. I mean, yeah. I mean, like that grind mentality is a little, little tough like that. Especially like when, when for them there was, as far as they knew, there was no other choices. Mm-hmm. That's what everybody around them did. Mm-hmm. Everybody worked hard. The people that didn't, it was very apparent that they didn't and they didn't have enough mm-hmm. and stuff like that, right? So the the grind lifestyle is not something I'm a big fan of, actually. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that, but I, I generally don't like that idea. Okay. Like what I like better is, for me, what I like better is purpose. Mm-hmm. That way it doesn't necessarily feel like I'm just like mentally battling against myself at all times. Right. Where I'm always like, oh, I have to go work. Just nose to the grindstone. It's okay. It's okay. I'm going to get through this. It's better just to feel like you're doing something that matters. Mm-hmm. That way you don't have this mentality of, for me anyway, it's better. That way I don't have to have this mentality of like, yeah, I'm killing it every single day because I'm struggling right. so hard every single day. Right. It's not really a struggle. It's something that I like. Mm-hmm. Like I, I genuinely like to work and mm-hmm. I have for a very long time. And until I like came to terms with that, it, it was hard for me because I would like miss out on things all of the time because of it. Mm-hmm. And like people would be like, oh, why don't you come out? Why don't you do this? Why don't you hang out more? And I was like, oh, I have goals. I have goals. I want to work towards them. And for a long time, I did believe in that whole grind thing where mm-hmm. I was like, you know, fuck everything else. This is what I'm doing to where like I've kind of learned to incorporate a lot of different things into my life where now it works better. Like generally, I remember like recently, like I wake up and I'm like, you know, I feel good. That versus back when I was like maybe 26, 27, 28. I would wake up and be like, okay, here we go. In our day, let's fuck this up. How does one find purpose in their work? I've read from different people and, and heard different philosophies and theories. How does one find that? Where it's I, I, it's not where you're subscribing to hustle porn or hustle culture or grind yeah. culture, but it's the understanding that to get certain things and to live a certain lifestyle or to achieve certain things in this life, you have to sacrifice something. And some people, that word sacrifice or that word grind triggers them. They don't want to believe life is like that. So you have to sugarcoat the grind or the hustle or the sacrifice. So you instead of saying sacrifice, a, a nicer way to package that is the exchange of energy, right? You've got to give an, an exchange of energy to achieve something, right? Yeah, and everything is energy. So mm-hmm. what would you say helped you reframe, right? Because it's not that you're working mm-hmm. less now that you're in your early 30s. What really helped me refrain mm-hmm. is getting perspective from people who are also hard workers, but who knew how to chill mm-hmm. and take vacation and have a good time mm-hmm. outside of just work and feeling good about themselves because they got validated through work, right. which for me, that was my validation. I was like, okay, I put in this much time. This is how much money I made. This feels good, you know? And then I wouldn't really go on vacation. I wouldn't take trips. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, no, I should. Mm-hmm. I should start enjoying my life. And then I would go on vacation and I would just be stressed out. <laughs> I'd be like going crazy, crawling out of my skin. And I was like, why do I feel like this? And I didn't know for mm-hmm. a long time. And like, I'll still have a day like that where like my morning starts later than I want. Stuff happens, not necessarily outside of my control, but like, you know, it's a responsibility that I took on. 
it got more complicated than I expected, which happens in a lot of situations. I didn't like, damn, it's, you know, 11 a.m. I haven't left the house yet. I barely had breakfast. Like, I'm crawling out of my skin. And then, like, you know, you take a minute, try to chill out and go on about it and realize that, like, it's not that big of a deal. Learning to enjoy the work that I'm doing and realize that none of it is that deep. Let's take it back to when we originally met. We ended up meeting at that party, right? No, we met in law enforcement class. We met at law enforcement class, but we but didn't we, hang out until that party. No, no, right? we kind of talked a little bit, yeah. and then we ended up at that mansion party, and that's kind of where we became friends. Yeah. We actually like became friends on that field trip to prison. Yeah, <laughs> and this is the funniest yeah. part about for the next 16 years, anytime anyone asks how we met each other, yeah. we always say we met in prison, yeah. and it's always an icebreaker, and yeah, it's, it it's hilarious, a... and it's always an inside joke. One of the things that you and I both, what we would do, so in high school, we when we when we started building our friendship, we started to go to the gym. Well, yeah, we'd go <laughs> to the gym after school all of the time, a daily ritual, basically, and that mm -hmm. happened for a long time. We were just lifting and trying to be... Uh, bodybuilders and I mean there's footage still out there that you captured there is camera there what is. was that that was 13 years ago I know that if we would have got on YouTube back then who knows what would have happened <laughs> it would have been interesting <laughs> probably would have been on roids and shit but who knows? we were getting close there bro I remember I took a spawn and I was like what the I remember you just got buff <laughs> 185 pounds bro what happened it's been a month Ooh, I just feel good man uh, I'm so strong how has fitness played a role in your life because you, you haven't stopped going to the gym i mean there's there's bouts where you're you aren't as consistent but you yeah. have consistently yeah. been at powerlifting gyms and gyms in general one of the things that i think it's helped me with a lot is just like it's working out is tough it's tough it's draining and if you're able to do it all the time and find some sort of enjoyment out of it I think it translates into a lot of other parts of your life too i think the biggest thing that i got out of it is learning about myself Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't necessarily love lifting weights. I don't really love, you know, deadlifting a bunch of weights, squatting mm -hmm. a bunch of weight, mm -hmm. benching a bunch of weight. But what I really do like is I like the athletic portion of it. Like, mm -hmm. I really like being able to do pull-ups. I really like being able to jump. I really like being able to, like, sprint and stuff like that. And that's where I find more enjoyment. And I don't do it as much. And then, like, I went to an MMA gym a couple months ago, and I had a rough workout. Mm -hmm. But it was some of the most fun I've had because mm -hmm. like that's where my roots are. My roots are in martial arts. Mm -hmm. So, and I did that for a long time. Karate. Yeah. Right. Started out as karate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Karate, then Muay Thai, and then a little bit of wrestling, a little bit of jiu-jitsu and so on. And so the functional aspect of it, that's what you've, you just like how it allows you to show up in life. Yeah. Like what was really nice about it for me, I think is like, it was cool to be able to go to the gym and do, you know, 10, 15 pull-ups, do some jumps, do some push-ups and whatnot, and just mm -hmm. know that, like, if I had to run somewhere, I could go run there. If I had to, you know, climb up a wall or something, I could do it because I have that functional ability, I guess. Yeah, that's something I really fell in love with, and that's why I started CrossFit back in, what, 2012? Um, fast forward, you're, you're going through college. What then started drawing you to the finance world? This is how school works. Um, everywhere else in the world with immigrant parents, mm -hmm. um, you have one option. And for my immigrant parents, it was engineering. And they're like, Dennis, you're going to be an engineer. And I was like, why? And they're like, because you're going to make a lot of money. I was like, okay, cool. I'll go be an engineer. I got to engineering school. I think like my second year in, I was like, this kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. I wasn't enjoying myself. It was very tedious, very hard work. So I ended up dropping out. I took some business classes and I was like, God, oh, this makes more sense. I feel like this is more like what I enjoyed doing. So I was like, oh, maybe I get into finance or something. And that's kind of how it happened. It's just so true. The immigrant, the immigrant parent stuff. It's my, all my older brothers are that try to, one's a lawyer, try to be lawyers. <laughs> yeah. Just going through doctor, lawyer, anything that's going to give you a fat salary, allow it's you true. to take care of your family. And that's yeah, a success. Anything to get you security so that yeah. you're able to take care of your family. Like, imagine if I told my parents I wanted to be an artist. Oh my God. Did I remember I took an art class? Remember? And I can draw. Like, I don't uh -huh. draw very much. Yeah. But during that class, I was like, wow, I'm not bad at this. And I made this drawing. It was like on one of those big art pads, you know, and I showed my dad. And I was like, ah, oh, you're going to be good for drawing up projects. <laughs> So you're going to be a great architect, but it's true, man, because again, it's my parents are immigrants too, right? But when you move to a country, the American dream is very strong, has a very strong pull. Very strong. But when you have parents or you have your parents come from fleeting conflict and war, right? Not having stability, not having the, just a strong family unit, not having a place to prosper. That's the goal. 
you know, by any means necessary, we need to be financially stable. Our kids' futures need to be financially, like everything needs to be taken care of. And that's, that's success. But when you come to America, especially as, as you developed that, you know, you came here at such a young age, you see, that's not, that's baseline. You know, having that is everybody can have that, but you can now become an NBA, you know, all-star or NFL player or, or yeah. the next master rapper, right? Because there's always that next level of what how you can do things. It's true, yeah. Right? Uh, the I, opportunity here is insane. It's insane. Not to say that there's no opportunity in other countries because there right. is a lot of opportunity in other countries as mm -hmm. well. However, I don't think there's more opportunity anywhere mm -hmm. in comparison. Yeah. Yeah, because anybody can make it here. And you know, like your dad literally made it. He's ahead of the majority of the population when it comes to business success and longevity and what he brings in annually. And he only partially knows the language. Yeah. And that's, a, that's amazing. That, that's a testament to work ethic and what's possible here in America. Well, and so that's something I haven't done a very good job on in this podcast is I like to talk about immigrant hustle and I like to talk about um, work ethic and all that stuff. I very rarely am able to talk about how grateful we are, how grateful I am that my parents fled Argentina you know, during a conflict there as well to come to the United States. It is. Like you look at your dad. Your dad's been in business for how long? 35 years yeah. yeah and i remember having conversations mm -hmm. back when we were like in our early 20s and your dad would fuck with us and he'd be like when's the last time you made ten thousand dollars in a day <laughs> yeah. and i'm like bro never like what are you talking about <laughs> he's like exactly yeah he's like they, they don't get it is yeah. what was going on mm -hmm. and he says like they don't get it yet mm -hmm. hopefully they will that's one thing for sure that I'm so grateful for because anything that I that I did that didn't bring in money was like, why are you wasting your time with that? Bro, I remember the first time I did like a little side hustle, right? <laughs> um, and I spent all day just busting my ass doing this shit. Yeah. Didn't make didn't make a penny. Spent like you know thirty bucks in gas and lunch and shit. My dad's like, so how much money did you make today? And I was like, none. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> He's like, if I went and worked all day and I came back empty-handed, he's like, I would never do that stupid shit again. Yeah, 100%. And I was like, dude, I get it. They didn't have the, the privilege. Bro, they did not have the privilege mm -hmm. to try something new and fail at it all day long. No. You know like, what I mean? My dad moved to this country at 25 with two kids. He left a construction business he had in Argentina that was already making money. So he was already in his mid, you know, early 20s, mid 20s doing it. When he came here, they started with cleaning toilets, a paper route. They had two, three, four jobs uh, and shared it between each other. And there was never a time where they're like, oh, let's we have this excess savings or I have uh, extra 10 G's in my bank. Let's try mm -hmm. to start a tech company. You know, like yeah. they didn't know the language. And so they didn't have the luxury to, to ideate or to think that mentality is, I think, what I'm so grateful that I got to experience. But it there, gives you an efficient perception on a reality. And that's what does, I'm so grateful for. I think uh, this is one of my favorite stories about your dad, Carlos. Mm -hmm. um, Josh was waking up at like 5 a.m., every morning to mm -hmm. go work out and work and stuff at the office mm -hmm. and they had offices in the same building at the time mm -hmm. and he's like yeah i've been waking up early and i tell my dad like when i woke up and stuff and he's like the next morning the man was up at the same time as me <laughs> yeah. and he's like and then to fuck with me he would literally just wake up for the hell of it half an hour before i did and just sit there and wait for me <laughs> yeah. like you're like why why are you just trying to punk me like <laughs> yeah like what's going on yeah still to this day working yeah. as if he was you know in his early 20s so so grateful for his example and i know that you've talked about your dad so so highly too i mean he's always fucking he's always working it seems like yeah, he has man, one like, one down day and then he's gone yeah, like so, now it's better now, honestly. Okay. His life quality, yeah. I, I would say, has improved since I've be become like, you know, my own man and whatnot. Yeah. That way, like, and my sister, of course, like, mm -hmm. we're, like when we were younger, he had to work because he had to support us. We were young, not helpless, but like right, right, right. we weren't able to take care of ourselves fully. Mm -hmm. So he had to. Mm -hmm. Now that we don't have to have him take care of us, he's able to have more chill time, do things mm -hmm. that he likes doing more, you know go out into nature, go visit his parents back home in Croatia and whatnot. What our parents taught us was, I feel like it's it's kind of a joint lesson that was taught to us a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. But what it is, is like, this is the real world. Yeah. This is where we live. And your mistakes will be heavily punished. Mm -hmm. And your successes, nobody's going to say anything no about them. No one's going to give a shit. Yeah. 
So you have to do it for yourself. Mm -hmm. And talking about it or not talking about it isn't really all that important. Having the knowledge to do it is what's very important. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, like we talked about, I was like, yeah, I went out, I worked, I got paid. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, yeah, but you still made a quarter of what I made last year. Mm -hmm. Like, yep. Like, and you speak the language, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. I want to, one, express gratitude for that mentality and that mindset. And two, never, ever take advantage of the opportunity that I have. And that's another motivating factor for me to live a lifestyle that very few people would want, which is no weekends, no parties, like very little vacation time, building, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. Because for me, I feel like I would piss away an opportunity, especially when I'm sure your dad has story after story of all the struggles and your mom as well of everything they had to go through to get to where they are. And that's like a movie right there. Blockbuster movie. Yeah, dude, we're standing on the shoulders of giants. um, And and that's something that I'm glad I'm able to express on this more public forum. I think one of the interesting things to think about is like 500 years wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Um, I don't know any of my lineage from 500 years ago. Right. Like all the struggle they went through, everything that they did. And now I'm here. Right. Like, and we're sitting here hanging out on a, what, Thursday? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the reason we're able to do this is because we seize the opportunity in our lives that was created for us in all reality by our parents. 100%. Yeah. Like, I didn't have to, like, just kill myself with work to do anything. Like, I had a place to live. I wasn't kicked out when I was 18 years old. Right. You know, I was able to stay there for as long as I wanted. I moved out when I was 30. Well, that, that's something that's a very... um you know, that's more common now with millennials than it was for the other generations, right? But that's something that I want to clearly, I want to make very clear though, when you're saying that, because somebody's like, oh, you know, I'm good. And you didn't stop chasing or working or advancing or growing in that process. You live in a culture where an intergenerational household is very common. Very common. So it's not that you are bumming or you're taking advantage of that situation. It's just that it's a very common in Serbian culture to live with your parents, your grandparents, you know, and, and the grandkids all in one household. It's almost like your your family never wants you to leave their they the don't household. Want you to they leave. don't yeah. want to leave. The Do you know when they want you to leave? They want you to leave when you get married. Yeah. Yeah. When you have enough and you get married and stuff and they'll still put you up if you want. And mm-hmm. naturally, like they'll ask you to help around the house and whatnot. And if you can help with bills, help with bills, man. Don't be a dick. Yeah. They're fine with you being there. Yeah, yeah, because like, everybody no, there's not that antagonistic or that uh, cultural nuance or that that nuance where it's like, oh, my my kids have not left the nest yet, you know, yeah, and it's like def- the the parents don't feel like failures. That's a very American thing. Yeah, but I don't know where or how that started, but it makes sense that if you're looking yeah. at good GDP or economics, why that would be the case. Why would you want three generations to live under one household when they could each have their own house plus four, you know, six, eight cars in between Mm -hmm. all of them? I think the big idea behind it starts with the family isn't spending their money on, you know, five different things, five different properties or whatever. Mm -hmm. The family is spending money on one property, saving a good bit of it, hopefully, you know, investing and whatnot and making good use of the money that they have left over. That way you're not just out there, you know, struggling paycheck to paycheck until you get going into your career. Because like, how many careers nowadays can you just enter and make $70,000 a year where you're able to cover your bills by yourself? And like at 70K, you're probably barely able to cover your bills depending on where you live in Utah. You have the ability to go on a vacation and have experiences that matter more than renting an apartment somewhere. If you do want to experience living out on your own when you're young yep. and not really making any money, like there's so many options to do that shit with too. Like, yeah, go live in a room, whatever. You want to move to another state, yep. and live in somebody's house in their basement in a room and whatnot. Yeah, man, go for it. See what it's like. Yeah. Eventually, your goal is going to be to be able to have a place all on your own. I don't think that you can really develop without that. Like, I, I don't think that if you don't have situations where you're completely disconnected from uh, a source or that if you mm-hmm. don't ever go out on your own, the rite of passage, right? The I, I'm leaving and I'm braving the wilderness by myself. Yeah. If you don't ever experience that, there's going to be aspects of you that don't fully develop of you coming to your own, right? Like a coming of age type of thing. So having those situations to where you do experience life and you don't call mommy and daddy when shit gets hard, 
right? I'm talking. We're talking about boys here. We're talking about boys that are going to develop into men, and it, we're not talking about the pretty princesses, right? We're not talking about the models of the that are going to get taken care of for the rest of their life. We're talking about the people who, if you do have uh, a stable household, which even that's rare, coming more yeah. and more rare as you can right? Still doesn't mean that you shouldn't go take that job out of, in another state or go try that endeavor that's going to take you from your small town to Silicon Valley, or it's going to take you to the big city in New York and try to fucking rough it on your own. Because in those situations, you learn what you're made of. You can't test to see what you're made of while you're, everything is, is taken care of around you. You're just being held like a little baby bird. Fly, baby bird. And it's like that baby bird never fucking jumps and yeah. can never test out its wings, right? It's that resistance that will build you. So I think everybody... And Brianna Brown talks about this. There's so many different people that talk about you got to take these chances and risks to really develop, right? And so I wouldn't say that there's a good or bad way about it, but um, I would say that it's hard to really develop without it. Yeah, sense. I think that the intricacies of this, the, they go very deep and yeah. spread very far. Yeah. At the end of the day, like, we are what we are. Yeah. Like, I don't know, product of your environment and whatnot. Yeah, to an extent. To an extent, absolutely. But at the end of the day, um, there are people from all sorts of terrible walks of life that have fucking killed it. Because if you look at it, like, when I was a kid and I looked around, like, there was always, you know, the clown. There was always, like, the really serious one. There was always, like, the chill people and, like, the hyper-intelligent person of the group. And then same thing as, like, I've moved through life. And it's like, you always have those variations and they're all very similar. Mm -hmm. And they exist at all levels, I think, like from poverty to, you know, exceptionally well off. Yeah, there will always be those groups and there will always be the person who will make it. Yeah, and, and that's not even weird or I'm not saying that I've made it <laughs> in any way, shape no, or form. definitely. But all that I'm saying is yeah. uh, I'm living a way that I chose to live. A life by design on your terms type of thing, yeah. And that's something that I'm very passionate about, right? To helping others develop into self-sovereign beings like that's yeah. just important right just to be somebody who is self-sufficient somebody who can make it on their own absolutely right? man let's get back to your story you're now getting involved in finance there's times where we our relationship kind of looks like this where we're, we connect yeah. and then we we kind of do our own thing and then we connect and we do our own thing but we've always kind of come back right and yeah, life is cyclical it takes us different directions right. and stuff there's a point where you really love your job at finance like you oh, enjoyed man. it yeah, thoroughly enjoyed you enjoyed learning about it. very about. rewarding. I would say that that was the first time that I was able to be fully financially independent. So what was your job day to day when you got involved in finance? You had to take a test to, to be. Oh, yeah. Of... So I had to take the Series 7 and Series 63 licensing. Mm -hmm. I think it's called like the SEIE exam now and the Series 7 exam and the 63 exam. Then I like got my insurance licensing at a different firm and whatnot. But the day to day was in the beginning very basic. You know, you take phone calls of people who have money in these accounts like investment accounts and, you know, they don't remember their passwords or they got locked out and whatnot. So you're literally helping people log into their accounts, like very simple work. Yeah. Um, and that eventually evolves into you trying to bring money into the company, um, performing against set metrics, mm -hmm. trying to exceed those metrics. And where I found enjoyment was just being one of the best there. Mm -hmm. And for a good amount of time, being the best there. So much so that like people would be like, no, it doesn't make sense that he's doing that well. Like yeah. he's brand new. How's he, he doing so well? Yeah. How is he cheating? Yeah. People yeah. Would, I would overhear conversations and I was like, I was like, there's no cheating, man. Like you got to want it. You know, you got to like perform against yourself, I guess. Yeah. You're like, all right, yeah, like this call went like this. This is what I can fix if it goes like that again. You don't need a college degree for that, right? You no, just need a high no school. not anymore. I don't know if you ever did actually, uh -huh. but if you have like a bachelor, bachelor's degree, you're more likely to get hired in a position like that. There were lots of people there with fresh out of college and stuff when I started there. So somebody getting fresh out of high school, right? Maybe even going through college, does that symbolize them to, because that the starting salary there is like 60000 annually? Yeah, I think I started at $44,000 a year okay. when I started there. Uh -huh. There's a yearly bonus and whatnot. So, like, I think first year total comp, if I didn't get promoted within my first year, I think it would have been around 50K. But if you did overtime and stuff, it could have been substantially higher. However, I got promoted very quickly. But, yeah, if you want to go be in finance and see what it looks like day to day from the service aspect, yeah, man, go get, go apply somewhere, find somebody that works at a company, get a referral. Hopefully they offer a training where you can pass your Series 7 and whatnot. It's more common for people our age and younger to not be so married to their career and pivot 
after two or three years and completely reinvent themselves. But during that stint, you were in the finance in that world for five. So five in, years, in that yeah. four or five years, right? What would you say that you learned in the financial world that has maybe paid dividends? The big thing that I learned was a very personal thing. It wasn't like, oh yeah, I learned this hack on how to make money all of the time in the market. Nothing like that. Right. What I learned is that the skills that I have highly usable in pretty much everything that I do from being a people person to being able to deal with people to being able to de-escalate situations when mm -hmm. they get escalated and things like that. So I think my ability to deal with people was really something that was shining there. Mm -hmm. And that's why I did well. I didn't know that before. Yeah. Because before that, I, you know, I dealt with brokers mm -hmm. on a regular basis and it's very transactional. Okay. Pay me this much money. No, I can give you this much. No, I want this much. No. And then you make a deal. Negotiation was a very big thing then. And then like when it became like more intricate, more conversational, more figuring out the things that people wanted, what their goals were and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I, I figured out that I was decent at it, that I could talk to people and they would open up to me and tell me what they wanted to tell me about their finance goals. You've always been really good with numbers, at least compared to me, because I suck at I sucked at math. Where does that come from? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. Persistence, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I'm a, I don't give up easily. Mm -hmm. I don't give up easily. And I think that's where that comes from, honestly. Not even just talking about basic like multiplication or division, but just like even more complex. Yeah, like say like you get into like algebra and calculus and stuff yep. like there's maybe a few people who excel at those things naturally yep. and they're just very good at it. It's probably well less than 1% of the population. Mm hmm for me, I'm not one of those people that just excels at it naturally. Mm -hmm. But if I look at something and work on it, I will learn it. I remember we were like in our, our late teens. And one of the things <laughs> you mentioned that I was like, I don't really think too hard about it. You're like, dude, don't you hate when people talk about in generalities when they're like, oh, I made like one or two million. You're like, one or two million. The gap between one and two million <laughs> is so big. Yeah, you have 1.1 uh, million. You have 1.2 million. You have 1.250 million. Like, you know, it, it is a big difference. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't like vagueness. Yeah. I don't like vagueness. I think if there's vagueness involved, it's scammy. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, do you know what matters? Uh, what matters is if it's making you money and, and working for you. Right. Like all of the people on YouTube mm -hmm. that talk about bringing value to people and mm -hmm. bring actual value to people, mm -hmm. like they're not trying to sell you anything. Right. They're not selling you their coaching programs. They're not selling their masterminds. So like, I think that's dope. Yeah. Not to say that masterminds don't work because I'm sure they work. Yeah. Like I'm sure that being around like-minded people who are making way more money than you are. And if that's your goal, fucking go. Yeah. Figure out what you need to do and dip, bro. Like. I think that just just that very thing right there is like the vagueness is scammy to me. I don't mm -hmm. like it one bit. If I go into a situation and I'm like, okay, like I make this deal, this deal cost me $30,000 on the low end, I'm going to make 3000 on the high end, I'm going to make six. Mm -hmm. Now, how do I make six and how do I make that happen consistently? Yep. And that is by looking at the micro of it. Mm -hmm. Like the tiny little nuances that you need to be sure are on point so that you're not making mistakes, that you are actually able to retain as much of that gross as possible. 100%. Yeah. Because if you just kind of go and it's like, ah, oh, whatever, yeah, I'll take 33, let's tip. Then you get fucking scammed. Yeah. That's, <laughs> you, you don't like yeah. vagueness because you don't want to get scammed. If somebody's like, yeah. you can make 50,000 to 100,000, you're like, well, what is it? Yeah. Is it 50 or is it 100? Yeah. Or is it 65 or yeah. is it 75? Like, why isn't it 100 every single time? Or why isn't it like, you know, right. within 3% of 100, like within like right. the margin of your skills? So, because if you tell me like, hey, man, look, your first year, realistically, you're going to do 60K because you have to learn this business. It's complicated. It's intricate. You have to learn how to talk to people and deal mm -hmm. with this very particular type of sale. Ah, uh, okay, cool. So... On average, how long does it take somebody to ramp up to making 100000 or more? Oh, it takes three years. Cool. I will do it in six months. Mm -hmm. No, nobody does. One person's done it in the last five years. Cool. I'm going to be the next one. So how do you teach critical thinking? Because that's what I'm <laughs> highlighting. Because what you're highlighting yeah. is critical thinking. And that doesn't yeah. come through sitting in your room alone. It comes from experiencing life and getting burnt and having botched deals and getting yeah. taken advantage of and all that. So how do you teach that? Because that's one of the skill sets that I, I feel like I have been able to attribute to every position or everything I've done. When I was a CEO for a health coaching company, came in to negotiate a partnership and a percentage of the company 
and the company has been around for almost five years before me. And I said, I'll step in as CEO, I'll take over all the operations, I'll do everything, but I want a percentage after six months, blah, 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 blah. Every person that I hired, I didn't hire based off of your degree. I didn't give a fuck what your, whether you had a bachelor's in exercise science or not. I didn't care if you had a master's in physiology. What I cared was if you had the skill set of critical thinking, because as a coach, you've got to be able to have critical thinking. And that was, that's not like a common position in the work, you know, in the career world, health coaching, but it still applied even there. And so you have had that since your teenage years. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've always appreciated about you. Where did you start getting that? Is that from your, your pops? Is that from oh, dealing man. in fucking negotiation from a young age? Yeah. So I think kind of where it started is, is I realized that every decision had a cost, mm-hmm. um, whether it was positive or negative. So, and I learned how to analyze those decisions because of that. I was just, I was scared of making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember, I remember I've, like, like anybody, man, you make mistakes, you get burnt, whether it's business or relationships what I was like, okay, like if I'm going to do this, I need to know what can go wrong. Mm-hmm. And not one thing that can go wrong, but I would like to know five things that can go wrong. Yeah. Because there is probably five things that can go wrong. Minimum. When you do something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like uh, uh, like from the simplest task of all time is like, hey, jump onto this rock or whatever it might be. Yeah, I might slip and fall. I might still fall and break my arm. I might miss it, you know, scrape my shins and whatnot. Like you analyze it. And then you're like, all right, well, what's the likelihood of that happening if I try really hard though? Still can happen, mm-hmm. but I'm going to try really hard. Yeah. And because of my past experiences, I know I can jump. Boom, jump, done. Mm-hmm. Another time you jump and you miss it and you fuck yourself up. Yep. And then you're like, okay, well, that time that it happened, it's, it happened because of these reasons. And then you reanalyze the situation where you made a mistake and you're like, okay, I can do better. Mm-hmm. And I know that it, I can eliminate that nuance of uncertainty where it's like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, like we can go make 100K knocking doors and selling alarm systems. But how much of that is going to go to my living expenses while I'm out in this other state Seriously, and yeah. whatnot? You know Seriously, what I mean? Yeah. Because, like, yeah, man, I remember being 18 years old and being taken to lunch by, like, an owner of some alarm company. And he was like, yeah, we're going to send you to Philadelphia and do this. And I was like, Philadelphia? I was like, isn't that, like, one of the murder capitals of the U.S.? Dude, you want me to go knock doors in the ghetto? And here I am going to Houston, Texas. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, let's go. Dude, when you're a kid and you're like, oh, two grand, let's go. Yeah. Let's make this money. I think analyzing that nuance and, like, figuring out the, the risk involved in going for it and knowing it before you make a decision is important. Yeah. That oh, way, for sure. Yeah, that way, like, for you sure. know what the risk is, and you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. I can take that risk. Because, like, at some point, if you take that risk enough and you get so good at mitigating the actual risk part mm-hmm. of it, you succeed more than you fail. Oh, 100%. And once you're there, then you're in a great place. Yeah. But when you're first starting out and you don't know, sometimes you just kind of have to go for it. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, there are these risks. I could fail, but hopefully you are self-aware enough and you can look internally and be like, all right, well, what do I want to do with my life? Oh, I want to make a lot of money. I don't really care what I do. Yeah. Dope. Do that. See how you feel after you make the money. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, make a decision again. You want to continue. You don't want to continue. You want to pivot. Do what you want to do. But analyze those situations. And the big thing for me is how I learned to analyze those situations is by making mistakes. In Which my insinuates fr- trying. Yeah. Right. Like I remember in my friend group, like people would always be like, well, Dennis, like, wh- what do you do to make money? Like people didn't know. Mm-hmm. I was because I never talked about it. I like always keep things close. Yeah. And I was like, oh, in my head, I was like, if I say it out loud, it's going to disappear. If I say it out loud, it's going to disappear. Like mm-hmm. it becomes too real. And then like the outside world can influence it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether it was like me flipping stuff online, which mm-hmm. I've done forever, flipping stuff at school as a teenager, which I've done forever mm-hmm. as like a little kid and stuff. At, at some point, you just got to be like, OK, I fucked up here. I lost a lot of money. I sold stuff without being paid for it. Mm-hmm. The person never paid me. I had to like look for them for weeks to get my money. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't even get my money. I just got my product back that was now used now I got to resell it again at a loss. You also have ha- always had a really good eye on opportunity and and one that's not necessarily easy to find. You've always ha- kind of had an eye and a knack for that stuff. I'll give you guys a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't really talk to anybody about the story, but I think it's a good one. So um, let's see, I was like 23 years old. I uh, got my heart broken. Mm-hmm. And it was more like I left a situation I shouldn't have been in in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was devastating to me. And 
I, I didn't know how to come back from it. I had spent like all my money. I worked very hard for that money. And I was basically back to zero. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived at home, moved back home with my parents, 24 years old or so, you know, mm-hmm. figure, figuring out my life. Time passes. Like now we're well into 2015. I'm sad, but I don't know that I'm sad because mm. in that moment, I just, I was just surviving. Mm-hmm. like day to day doing what I needed to do to like, you know, make a few bucks at holding down, selling cars and whatnot, you know? And eventually like I meet a friend, he's successful. And I'm like, how is he successful? How is he so successful? And he's still so young. Like mm-hmm. he's like 10 years older than I am, but he's got more money than I've ever seen. Millions Ash. of dollars. Yeah. Like millions. Yeah. Like you look at him, he looks like a normal person. Yeah. You know what I mean? He looks like a normal person. He's very successful though. Mm-hmm. And you kind of start seeing like, okay, well, how do you make your money? At first, I don't really know. I'm like, are you a drug dealer? I don't want to hang out with you if you're a drug dealer, man. Like, I don't need that in my life. I was like, no, 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 man. I don't deal with drugs. Are you crazy? I was like, all right, well, tell me, man. Teach me, you know? And he's like, it's not really something to be thought, taught. Like, mm-hmm. you you got to find opportunity and just go for it. He was like, I can't give you my opportunity. Like, then I won't make money. Like, then we'd have to share. And that's not in my interest. So, like, yeah, naturally, like, right. That was his hustle and that's what he was doing. He didn't need to like grab me and like teach me the ways. I was like, damn, how does this dude have so much money? And he was making money consistently. I remember like people like, oh yeah, I made $180,000 last month. I was like, what? Uh, bro, I haven't made $180,000 if you like yeah. aggregated the last five years together. Like <laughs> yeah, what? Right. right. So um, eventually I learned that like, the way to make money is to have good information in your head and know how to utilize it, mm-hmm. know how to like make a proper model and monetize it. I'm 24 years old. Um, at the time, I was obsessed with bullet bikes. I rode bullet bikes all of the time. Even though I was broke, I had a nice bike because I paid for it. Well, I wasn't broke, right? Mm-hmm. So that's actually how me and this guy met. We rode motorcycles and I crashed. Mm-hmm. I got run off the road. Mm-hmm. I was coming into a left-hand turn car came around that same turn, but he was going, you know, to the right. He was going a little too fast, came into my lane, swerved to avoid him. As I swerved to avoid him, I could no longer make the left turn. And I just laid my bike down and went off of a cliff, like legitimately just down, mm-hmm. went down. Um, the craziest thing, life flashes before my eyes and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like it's beautiful. And I'm like, damn, I, damn. And I land and I'm just like sitting there. I'm like, I hope my bike doesn't hit me. And I like, and I kind of see it in front of me. I'm like, okay, the bike's landed. I'm okay. Nothing hurts. And I'm like, nothing hurts. I stand up and like one of my shoes is off. And I'm like, I oh, fuck the shoe. I ran back uphill because I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to destroy this person that just did this to me. Luckily, mm-hmm. the person didn't stop because mm-hmm. who knows what would have happened in that moment. Mm-hmm. Just adrenaline and rage, you know? So I sit down and I'm like, okay, I have a friend behind me. I hope he saw what happened. Mm. thankfully he did Mm. and he stopped and he was like oh my god dude are you okay that was fucking insane after all of that happened like my life kind of came like it it came together after that because before that like i was kind of living pointlessly and that's when i met the super successful dude he like he was like hey um i don't want you going home all messed up and scratched up come over shower get cleaned up i don't want you you know going home and scaring your parents being all bruised up and bloody and shit i was like yeah man no problem like luckily i walked away so i go i get cleaned up i go home i don't say anything to my parents i'm like oh i'm trying to sell my bike you know because i was so scared to tell them what happened because i didn't want them to worry and a few days goes by my sister notices like this gnarly road rash on my back even though i had gear like you slide enough and you hit stuff hard enough it'll it'll bruise you it'll i come clean i tell them what happened you know, like I fucking knew you, knew you were going to fuck up and all this shit, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, man, honestly, I did too. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't in a good headspace. I was just kind of going through the motions of my life at that time for a few months. And then I started hanging out with this guy. And he was nice. Like I was like, he's being really nice to me. I don't get it. He just wanted to be my friend. And I hadn't had that before where somebody just wanted to be my friend and didn't really want anything from yeah. me. Like... That was a new person. And mm-hmm. I was like, damn. So that w- that's what a day one person means. Because mm-hmm. like they're just down for you. They're your friend. I learned a lot hanging out with him. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot about money. I learned a lot about 
relationships and how important it is to maintain relationships in your life. Mm. Burning bridges, cutting people off and being a dick because somebody made you mad is a terrible way to go through life. Your best bet is to learn how to resolve those situations. Like, because at the end of the day, unless they stole from you and hurts you, like it can probably be worked out. Yeah. So, so was yeah. It, would you say that that was more of a friendship or a mentorship or a combination of both? It was friendship for a while there then it kind of became a mentor not necessarily a mentorship i don't know it was definitely more of a friendship where he was transparent what type of things would you and you and this uh millionaire do degenerate things man. <laughs> let's, you know? let's talk about what ten twenty thousand dollars in cash looks like you can put it in your pockets it's not that much money <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> yeah like when you throw it up in the air it looks like a lot yeah of money. but when it's all in ones it's a <laughs> lot of money it's a, it's stupid money I, I'll tell uh, you we what. were we were strip club superstars. Oh my god! For a little he's while not, there. Yeah, he's not exaggerating when he's saying that. Yeah. You guys were at the strip club, like the average person is at the club. Neither one of us drank or did drugs, which is which is wild. Yeah. It was you guys were I employing. Have, I didn't really have money at the time. Right, I was just right. trying to like figure out how to live, and he was like, hey, "Come with me," and I was like, "Bro, I don't have money to go to the strip club." He's like, "It doesn't matter. Yeah, I do. Let's go." Yeah, and I was like, "That okay? Yeah, I guess let's go." And yeah, shit was crazy. Like you would walk in and all the girls would be like, oh my God, what's up, Dennis? What are you doing? And you feel like a very important person when that's happening. And you're just like, damn, is this what having money is like when you flex it? Because this is crazy. It's cool that you had an awareness at such a young age too around this where you're just like, man, there's a point where you make enough money to where you're just going to go throw a few bands and never think about it twice. Yeah. Where the average American has less than $500 in their emergency Bro, fund. we would go, like, and the man would throw, like, $2,000 casually on, like, a fucking Thursday. Yep. It, it, it's just what he did. And yeah. good for him. It's good just for what him he did, for yeah. just helping pay for college for these <laughs> sweet young women. Yeah, for the man pay for a lot of college debt. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, he put a lot of kids into private school. Vain as some of the things were that him and I did, it was profoundly one of the best relationships I've had with a person. Wow. Um, the man taught me so many important things like chasing perfection is silly. Mm -hmm. Being who you are is who you should be. And for him, he was authentic. Mm -hmm. That's who he was. Mm -hmm. There was no BS. He did the things he wanted to do. He had the money to do them. And it was, it was really cool to see. Yeah. And all these years later, what it's been eight years now we still stay in touch yeah he's a good dude man i really liked him when i met him and if anyone here is judging or listening and they're judging this man for his habits or things that he chose to do and you think that you you do it different or do different things we'll see i mean get to that place and then we'll see then we can yeah. compare scorecards and you can compare compare but otherwise like judgment free zone here let's pivot to what what you're currently doing so mm -hmm. you're in the finance world for a little bit um, when do you catch wind and when do you start getting involved in the crypto world? First whiff of crypto was like 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. And I, I had no idea what it was. I didn't understand. I was like, oh, it's internet money. Seems fake. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then some years go by and like I hear about it again. It's like 2012, 2013, I think. And I'm like, oh, they're still talking about this. This has got to be a real thing. Like all these crazy things are happening. It's being used on the dark web to purchase illicit substance, substances and whatnot. So I'm like, damn, does that mean it's untraceable? It's not untraceable. Just so you guys know. It's actually super traceable. Very, very <laughs> traceable, especially yeah. if you have Coinbase. Coinbase is not crypto. Coinbase is a brokerage firm. Get yourself a private key wallet. Yeah. Yeah, not, ledger not, sells them. Not your keys, not your coins. Exactly. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to start asking, you know, the people that I know that are doing okay for advice and to look at opportunities with me at the same time. And now we're in like 2015 and crypto has tanked at that time. Like I remember Bitcoin was like at a high of like 1100 now it was below $200. Mm -hmm. And they're selling uh, miners, like uh, ant miners and mining equipment so you can, you know, plug it into your power and mine Bitcoin and make a little bit every month and pay your power. So I'm sitting there and I found all of these ant miners for sale. And I'm like, oh man, $20,000. I stand to make about $60,000 a year if difficulty stays where it's at. This is pretty damn cool. This is actually insane. Mm -hmm. And look, it's all there. All the info is public. You can go into mining calculators and type in how much power you would be providing to the network. It tells you how much it's going to pay you at that current network difficulty. So I'm looking into these machines and I'm like, all right, well, what do I need to make $60,000 a year? This is like 2015. 
$60,000 is still a decent living. Uh, figure out, okay, I need to spend about $20,000 to get these machines in order to make that much money. So I'm like, all right. I don't have $20,000. Let's right. see if my dad's down. Oh, nice. Yeah. Dad's like, I don't understand that stuff. <laughs> I'm out. I'm like, oh, that's fine. I was like, that doesn't happen. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'm seeing this opportunity um, better than it actually is. Let's talk to some people about this and see what their advice is. Everybody's advice was like, that is a scam. Do not fucking do it. Mm. That is so stupid. Do not do it. Do not do it. And this is when Bitcoin is like not even $200, like $201 or something, right? Yeah. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay. Um, and generally people don't try to give you bad advice. They give you advice based on their experience. Mm. And in their experience, stuff that sounds too good to be true is too good to be true. Mm-hmm. But when you think back on it, is the people that I was talking to, other than my dad, nobody was making more than like, you know, $30,000 a year, Mm. except for my friend that was making a lot of fucking money. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, I just, I just don't think that it's something that I want to be involved in was his answer. And I was like, that's fine. So nothing happens. I'm like, whatever. I have a few hundred bucks. I buy myself some Bitcoin. But that was my first attempt at getting a farm going. That was your first exposure to that kind <clears throat> yeah, of... Yeah, yeah. Like, there was another big boom happens a couple of years later. Mm. And I'm like, holy fucking shit. I knew it. I knew it. I should have done it. Now, it's 2017. It's basically a bull run from, like, I don't know when it started, like, March to, like, December. It's like a bull run. Bitcoin hits, like, 19K or something. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. Like, this is unbelievable. I would have been so, so rich. <laughs> But instead, here I am resetting passwords for people. <laughs> yeah. So 2017, I'm working. 2018, I'm working. 2019, I'm working. Um, and 2019, I'm like, I need to learn a new skill. I cannot continue doing this. I need to start my own business. Mm-hmm. I don't care what it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there watching the social network. What was motivating you to get to that place? Because I've consulted, I've coached, I've talked to so many entrepreneurs over the last 10 years. And it's the motivating factors are, are all differ, but I, I feel like I'm picking up patterns now. So for you... I need what, a purpose. Okay. I need a purpose because mm-hmm. the only time that I would feel fulfilled is when I was doing something for my dad. And he'd be like, hey, can you take care of these things for me? Hey, can you go pick these things up for me? And it was all business related, you know? So I was like, damn. I make a direct difference here in somebody's life. I was like, but I don't feel like that at this job. I feel like this is meaningless. Mm. And yeah, like the meaning behind it is like, yeah, I'm being paid a steady paycheck. Like I'm doing things. I'm able to go on vacation. I'm able to go visit cool places. But I'm still like, you know, I was like, this is not enough for me. I need more. Mm-hmm. I need more. And then I was sort of seeing things like videos of people making, you know, tons of money and just straight up flexing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it just seems fake. Like, I remember like, seeing like Ty Lopez videos. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, like the dude obviously has money to pay for the stuff that he has. I was like, but it just seems disingenuous to me. And I was like, but how do I get to a point where it's real for me? Because I was like, okay, like, what was the thing that I regretted? I regretted not doing everything I possibly could to get funded in 2015 to start my little farm. Mm-hmm. I regretted it. But it taught me a lesson. It taught me to evaluate things and save my own money. So I can't do it in the future. You're the type of person to calculate the loss on that. What did you lose? Oh, man. That that cost me millions of dollars. Will there be an opportunity like that again in my life? I hope Hopefully. so. Yeah. yeah. I hope so. The world is filled with opportunity. Mm-hmm. And in 2019, I was looking for it. I was debt-free. I was in a great place. I had money saved. 2020 was coming around. 2020 hits. Talks of COVID are happening. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to start. I'm going to start coding. I'm going to learn how to code just basic JavaScript so I can make web apps and I'll transition that into phone apps if I end up wanting to launch an app mm-hmm. and just go from there. I am working at the time and I start school and I'm going to school and I finish my coding bootcamp, mm-hmm. which was a lot of fun. I met my business partner. We had a similar sense of humor, similar views on some things. And I'm like, oh, this guy's funny. Mm-hmm. So I'd like PM him as people were saying stuff that was just hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and we started talking like that. And he goes, hey, you should come to my office. We should study together. We should work on this project together because we're in the same project. And I'm like, dope, I'll come to your office, whatever. I was like, probably doesn't want to study at his house or a coffee shop. He wants to study at work. That's mm-hmm. fine. I get to this place. 
there's no cars here. There's one pickup truck parked outside. It's this beautiful truck. And I'm like, okay. I was like, I guess this is his truck. It's the only car here. Mm -hmm. So I go up there and I ask him, I was like, so what do you guys do here? And he goes, oh, yeah, this is my building, this and that. We were in this business and whatnot. I'm like, all right, that's dope. I was like, so why are you learning these things? He's like, I just wanted to learn how to code. So I had a new skill to something fun to do. And then we're sitting there working on a project. And I tell him, I was like, hey, like, just this is my goal here. I was like, my goal is to finish this, start a web development business where I can build websites for people. My target is small businesses, whatever small business that needs an online presence and able to grow. Uh, Towards like the middle of 2020, I knew I wanted to start a business. So I opened up a business and started web development. Got my first client and my business partner and was like, hey, do you have an interest in crypto? And I was like, dude, yeah, I do. He's like, do you want to help me buy equipment? And I was like, yeah. He's like, I'm he's like, I'm a little busy. I can't go pick these things up right now. Come to my house. I'll give you some money. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to this guy. See if he'll work with you on prices and whatnot. And if he does, go pick it up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's a weird request. You're just going to give me cash to go make a deal? Like, are you a drug dealer too? <laughs> Literally all your friends are drug dealers. <laughs> and you're back in your mind. You're like, yeah, another one. Why am I attracting these people to my life? Another one. That's hilarious. Oh, man. Is this the energy that I put out into the universe where just drug dealers want to be my friends? He's mafioso. So he's not. He's awesome. We ended up building a cryptocurrency mine. Like we started out building a cryptocurrency mine for him. So how much money have you guys spent on hardware? It's probably over a million dollars in hardware. And that's over just two years, right? A two year period? Yeah. Yeah. The majority of that money was spent in the very beginning. The boom was happening. We wanted to be a part of it. So we just started building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like all the money that I had, I put into it. He put in a lot of money and uh, we went for it. We went for it. We built this mine. Reflect yeah. back on eight years earlier, 20,000 was this this peak for you. This fucking Mount Everest to accumulate. And eight years later, a milli just boom. To, to take the same opportunity. It's crazy. That's so cool. So a million dollars in hardware. And then you still are learning all of this at the same time you're managing this web development company. You are still learning the ins and the outs of what it means to mine, setting up machines, everything. Oh, man. Managing absolutely. multiple machines. I mean, we briefly talked about the grid system uh, and how much power you need and how you need a constant flow of power. So I'm sure there's a lot of ups and downs through that whole process. Okay, so this isn't financial advice, but from your experience, is there anything that you could, any blockchain, any crypto technology, anything that you'd point to to the audience, maybe to take a look at or do their own research on? Or- um, what I would say is whatever you want to put your money into, mm-hmm. um, whether it's crypto or stocks or bonds, um, or real estate, uh, just know that's considered an investment. Mm-hmm. Um, if you buy with the intention to sell, that's considered a trade, right? So if you want to go be a trader, go do that. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Most people fail very quickly, lose all their money very quickly. Some people succeed and make a whole lot of money. Do your research, be diligent about the decisions you make. Uh, never put your reputation on the line. If it's something you cannot back, just don't do it. It's not worth it. And do a lot of research because FOMO usually means you should stop and wait to make a decision. If you feel like you're missing out on something, you probably aren't. Give it some time before you make big decisions with your money because it's hard to make. That was great advice. Um, Is there any companies or anything that you're excited about in the crypto world? Honestly, I I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Uh, my, My mind is speculative. Mm-hmm. So I'm speculating. So I don't want to say and have somebody go blow a bunch of money and then be like, this is Dennis's fault. Sorry, I have to preface. This yeah. is not financial advice. It's not financial advice. Yeah. Mining is cool. Mm-hmm. It's fun to do. Mm-hmm. There's a big community around it. It's also very speculative. You can lose a lot of money. A lot of people have. Any resources for anybody that's interested in getting in mining that you would recommend? You know, I would recommend some YouTubers. Okay. Yeah. Check out his YouTube channel. It's called Bits Be Trippin'. He is the OG. Bits be tripping, that's all. Yeah, the man is, he's insightful. He's been in the space for a very long time. He has his own minds. They're massive. And he's made a lot of money doing it. If you're somebody who likes information and likes processing information and listening, 
Mm-hmm. He's a good person to listen to. Another guy that I would recommend is Red Panda Mining on YouTube. He's more fun mm-hmm. to listen to and stuff. Um, he shows you his builds. He builds them in real time. It's fun to see. He talks about the things that he's mining, the things that he's speculative on, and all of these crazy cool build outs. He releases a lot of videos. So if you just want to be entertained, it's a good way to go. And he's got fantastic content. Is that edutainment, education, and entertainment at the same time? With the Red Panda, yes. With Bitsby Trippin, it's definitely more education, um, a little bit of entertainment because it's entertaining to watch somebody talk about these things and show off their builds and stuff like that. So this is the last question I have for you. What three books have impacted you the most? You know, that's a good question. I think that an important book that I read, and there's a good quote in this book, and it was The Mastery of Love. Mm-hmm. I was very young when I read this book, mm-hmm. and I didn't really know what love meant. And I guess in this sense, love in general, love for yourself, love for the world, love for others. And what it is, basically, the message of that book and what I took out from it is happiness is in your hands. If you give your happiness to somebody else, they will hurt you. Mm-hmm. So but- don't do that. Stay in control of your happiness. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, let other people love you love other people, be in beautiful relationships, express your love, don't be cold and stuff. Mm -hmm. But just know that you're in control of your own happiness, you're in control of your own heart, the person that you're with is in control of theirs. If they try to put that onto you, don't let them and make sure that they learn with you. In the book, he talks about giving, I think like the, I don't know what the similar metaphor he used is, it's like I gave her my world and she shattered it and broke me. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was profound to me. The simile was he had finally found happiness. And in, in the simile, his happiness was the moon. And he the moon had come into his hand. And it was like this perfect expression of happiness. And he was so overjoyed and so filled with love. And then he wanted to share that with his partner at the time. He's like, look at this. I'm so happy. Like, like you can be too. Here, take, take this. And then when he handed it to her, she dropped it and then it broke into a million pieces and that was her and then he got sad and then she was sad you know it's like mm-hmm. that was the the story to show when you're happy be happy but don't expect other people to be happy or love or whatever just just because you are yeah like you're responsible for your own happiness exactly powerful yeah. shit powerful and you shit. really are it was yeah. it was a good book to read at 18 years old for mm-hmm. sure another good book that i appreciated was relentless by tim grover <sighs> Not talking about enough. Um, so good. Yeah. So good. You love to hear people that you can relate to in like a work work ethic sense. Because you're like, damn, Kobe's so fucking great. He's so lucky. Damn, Michael Jordan is so great. He's so lucky. Turns out they're not. Turns out they're the hardest workers to, to ever exist in that world. And they'll fuck you up if you yeah. get in their way. <laughs> and they do not give a fuck. No. What happens around them, they are training Mm-hmm. And they expect you to show up too yep. and train if you're going to be on their team. So that was a fantastic book about mentality and that whole, that's that's one of the books that helped me with my mentality mm. where I was like, you know, I don't have to think of this as a daily grind and as hard. I can think of this as this is like a passion of mine and this is what I enjoy doing and I want to succeed and I'm going to do it because it makes me happy. That was a fantastic book. I would recommend it time and time. Yeah. Over again, yeah. There was another book. I can't remember its name, but one of my favorite stories is uh, asking for help Um, because it's so hard for me to ask for help. Even today, I think I can do everything on my own and I can't. Hmm. And when I ask for help, I feel guilty because I feel like I'm taking time from this other person and it makes me feel terrible. And it's it's something that I am actively working on. Mm -hmm. And I think I've gotten a little bit better. But the book talks about a psychologist and his patient Mm -hmm. and his patient was a normal person Mm -hmm. and something happened to this normal person where they were so hurt and unable to process the events that happened to them that they became mute they couldn't say a word and the therapist started seeing her i I was a woman actually i just remember that as i said it so he started seeing her and for months she didn't say a word she would just show up. She would just show up and listen to him talk. And he would tell her, like, it's okay, you don't have to talk, I'll talk to you. And he was just there for her. He would talk to her all of the time. And his only intention was to help her. But she wasn't saying a word. And one day, 
she comes in completely distressed, like freaking out, uneasy, can't sit still, and her fists are clenched. And he's like, are you okay? Do you want to talk? Uh, do you want to talk? Do you want to leave somewhere? Um, you don't have to be here if you don't want to be. And she's just shaking her head and like doesn't know what to do. And she just sticks her fist out at him. And he's like, I, she's never done this before. I don't know what she's doing. Is she telling me to back away mm. or whatnot? I don't know what's happening. And she just keeps like pushing her fist into him like, like, look, like fucking look, please. Yeah. You know, is what's happening inside of her. She has her hand facing up like supinated. So he's like, okay, do you want to open your hand and show me what you have in your hand? And she's like shaking her head, yeah, but she can't. And then slowly he gets her to open her hand and there's a note on that. And the note says, help me. Mm. Like she wants help, but mm. she doesn't know how to ask for it. And to me, that was profound because if you could just communicate what you need, um, people are willing to help you and work with you. Mm. So I can't remember that book's name. Well, I know um, that story. I heard that story. Yeah. Was it The Power of the Other? Is it the, yeah, it is the with power Dr. of the other. Henry yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, it. That's it. That's, that's it. Dope. Wait, yeah. wait, so is the master of love and the power of the other two books I recommended you to read? Yes. Dude, that's dope. Yes. I try to stick to books that aren't necessarily written to sell a lot of copies. Mm. I guess they're more written to pass down knowledge. And that's something that I always appreciate. The way that my my education or self-education has evolved was I would read things to learn things to implement them in my own life. Mm -hmm. And that's why I would pick up a different book. And so I had a diverse background of business and entrepreneurial and psychology and sales books. At a certain point, I'm just whatever I'm interested in. Where can people find you? Yeah. Um, I'm not interested on social media. You guys definitely don't have to follow me. It's just my first and last name for Instagram. Same with Facebook. I think same with Twitter and TikTok too. So, mm -hmm. But if you guys really like this uh -huh. and you want to hear me talk about more stuff, I'm happy to share if you have questions. Awesome. So my camera died, so I'm going to do this on this camera. Uh, like, subscribe, share this podcast if it brought you any value today. Thanks, Dennis, again for coming on. Until next time. Peace.